Hey everybody, get ready for a new case on criminal motives behind the crime scene tape. My name is Jay and I co-host this podcast with my dad. My dad and I have both worked in law enforcement and we also specialize in security. Join us as we dive into some of these real life cases and find out what actually happens behind the scenes and what most people don't get to hear about. It's going to be a good one, so let's jump right in. All right, everybody, welcome back to a new episode of Criminal Motives Behind the Crime Scene Tape. Today we have a great witness, witness. witness. At least I didn't call him a suspect. Today we have a great guest with us, uh, Ronnie Keel, who I've known for many, many years. A uh, guy that I've worked with on uh, lots of different cases, lots of different uh, um, things that we've been involved in. Uh, coming to give us a little bit of perspective from his side of uh, things and uh, maybe bring some insight to you guys on some things that uh, you don't often get to see or understand or get to hear about. Sometimes in uh, life, things get left out and, you know, you kind of scratch your head when it goes away, like, well, why'd that happen? Or how come they had to do that? And we hope with all this to bring some of the answers to those things. So, um, Best way I know to introduce Ronnie is uh, we pretty much started our careers close to the same time. I think I was in law enforcement and Ronnie was in emergency services. And about a year later, Ronnie showed up at the police department with a gun in his hand. So let's go get him. <laughs> yeah. so, uh, I think that might be close. Ronnie, tell us a little bit why it intrigued you to leave emergency services and join the police department. Well, it's kind of a funny story. Um, I was working in a little town south of here. Um, I can say Frostproof. I mean, I wasn't working for the city of Frostproof. That's just where I was stationed. Um, we got a call one night. Guy had been beat up. Turns out that this guy was a pervert. He was peeking in some high school female's window. And the girl saw him. Um, and instead of freaking out, she kept her cool, just kept on doing what she was kind of doing and just eased out of her room, went in the living room and told her dad, there's some guy peeking in my window. Well, dad, instead of calling the police department, he walked out the door with about a four or five foot piece of lemon sprout in his hand. You know what lemon sprout is? Tell everybody what a lemon sprout hey, is. Lemon trees, lemon trees, uh, the limbs on lemon trees grow thorns and guys will take a maybe a two, two and a half inch diameter piece of uh, lemon tree limb and just kind of shave off the thorns, but leave the bumps. And they will wear your tail out in the hands of somebody knows what they're doing. All right. So Pop goes, Pop goes out the front door. The, 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 the pervert's still standing out the window. So he wore him out with it. And then he called the law. Law shows up and called for us to come check the guy out because dad had had whipped him up pretty good um when we got there the guy wanted to break bad wanted to resist um and the officer you know decided to take him down and cuff him and i just jumped in there and i was in the pile helping helping him get the guy covered 
and getting him cuffed. And after it was all over with him, my partner standing over there with his mouth gaping and wide open. Oh, what are you doing? Because we really weren't supposed to do that. Um, but anyway, um, after we were all done, got the guy secured, um, this officer looks at me and he said, you ever thought about coming to this side? We have a whole lot more fun than y'all do. <laughs> and I had always thought about it, but uh, it 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 kind of kind of put lit a fire in my belly, if if you want to say that. And um, went up to Lake Wells and and had a quick little meeting with the chief, and expressed my interest. He put me on the auxiliary, and I rode around with some, some of the guys for a little while. And uh, and uh, he sent me through the academy and hired me as soon as I as soon as I graduated. Very that was good. it. Uh, that was in late summer of 1987. Very good. So you spent a certain number of years in the police department at the local level, and then you went to the university level and worked in campus, uh, yes. sworn law enforcement police office. How many, how many positions did you hold in the local level? I did everything at the local department, um, patrol, traffic, investigations, did a little drug work, did one little uh, undercover operation, and that was with you and somebody else. Um, you were doing a, a prostitution sting. <laughs> Remember that? Oh, yeah. I know you do. <laughs> and, uh, <clears throat> and, and about two years before I, I retired, I finally got promoted to sergeant. So I did everything in the department except for pretty much except for school resource and canine. You didn't miss either one of them very much. I mean, well, I've, got, I've got a German shepherd now, but I couldn't imagine living with that joker at home and at work. So yeah, right. I can imagine. And school resource, you know, it's a lot of free time, but I absolutely respect those guys and you know what they do and what they're able to do. Um, but it's a, it's a lot of extra work, and um, I just, yeah, I got to the point I was I was too old to chase that dog around. <laughs> yeah, really. Like mine, mine's a whole lot either. Tell me something. Um, out of all the things that you did, what was your favorite thing to do? Oh, I I, I like traffic. I, I was always a, oh, you know that I was always a traffic guy, and um, and I enjoyed that. Um, you know the part of the part of traffic I didn't enjoy. You know, after, after after the chief that decided to start the traffic unit, he put two of us in it, and uh, you know, pretty soon after we got it rolling, he uh, sent both of us to traffic homicide school, and we started working some of the fatal crashes because, you know, what people don't know, a and I'll expound on that a little bit. A traffic crash involving a fatality is a different animal from a crash that does not involve a fatality, even if it's got some serious injuries. Um, it, it's, a, it's a, it's an investigation in itself. Uh, a lot of, lot of, lot of, lot of eyes you got to dot and T's you've got to cross. A lot of people you have to talk to tape statements, uh, ME reports, medical examiner reports. Um, and you know, the, the, one of the biggest things is, is, is working the scene um all the measurements because you have to you have to do a, a separate report from the crash report um 
It's an investigative report, and it's usually eight or nine pages. Mm-hmm. There's a format you follow. We always followed FHPs. Um, but you're going to be – you're going to be – and so people understand this. Um, if you roll up, going down the highway, you roll up on the scene of a, a fatal crash, uh, you may be de- detoured. You may be held for you know in traffic for a long, long time because we have to preserve – you know, what's in that roadway as far as skid marks, um, gouges, all that kind of stuff. Um, and it's, um, it's, 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 a, it's a whole different animal. It's a lot of work. And the toughest part of it is having to go knock on somebody's door to uh, let them know that they've lost somebody. So that and, explains a lot about let's say someone's watching a crime scene show, just a basic uh, crime scene show on TV where detectives have a house, they're taped it off, they've got the scene controlled, but this is on a highway where you've got people waiting in line, waiting to go places, sometimes yeah. for hours. You all have to conduct the same kind of investigation on the highway that people would, detectives would conduct in a house very similar, yes. And nobody's standing over them waiting to come in or anything, but you're having the added pressure yeah, of dealing yeah. with the traffic and the uh, uh, the, the that it takes. And, I mean, let's face it, if it's a car crash or a truck crash, there's going to be possible environmental concerns, leaking That's diesel fuel, gasoline, whatever the product is on the road. So that right. adds to the stress of what you have yep. to do. And Knowing what we know, any mistake in that area could jeopardize your chances of prosecution, at least successfully. True, that kind of thing. So, yep. man, that's yeah, that's a big deal. And I can get, I can see where, where it wouldn't be one of your favorite things to do because it means you got to stop the car and get out, and you can't go run after nobody or chase or drive fast or anything like that. It takes the yep. fun out of it. Yeah, you get you get to that kind of a scene, and you're there for a while. Um, yeah. And we used to do it. There, there's a there's a new. Well, it's not really new. It's it's been out maybe almost 20 years now. But um, we used to do it the old old school way um, to get measurements and yeah. and all that. We did it all with a tape. Yeah, tape, uh, triangle, yeah. And, Spray paint and all that kind of. You still use the. I think they're still using the paint, but they're using um, either a, either a system called Total Station or they're using um, some of the speed lasers um, have have ranging on them also. And you set it up, and you basically you shoot the scene. Yeah, and then you're able to download the information out of the laser or whatever you shot the scene with and it plots everything for you and i'm gonna tell you the truth um i would rather i would rather do it the old way takes longer but i think it's more accurate i don't care what anybody says i think it's more accurate well i think too when you look at the whole incident and the investigation that's behind it that's just one piece of modern technology that they've come up with there's still the hands-on face-to-face interviews with people all investigation um just there's still a whole lot of things so even with advances in technology you're still going to be on that highway for a little while oh yeah i I feel sorry for people i've been in that 
that uh, line before myself on the interstate and so forth. Yeah. I feel sorry for them, and everybody should know that law enforcement is working as fast as they can to clear the scene so that you guys can be on your way. But best, it has the to best, be done accurately. The best thing, the best thing on you know for the officers on the scene that are working the scene is if you can, if there's a possible way you can detour the traffic around another way uh, through town or whatever you have to do. And that relieves some of that pressure that's on you, you know, because you you'll glance down that down that road every now and then you'll see all those cars and you're like, mm, feel sorry for those folks. But that's what we got to do. But if you can get them detoured and get some of that pressure off of you that and then then you feel like you've got more time, you don't you don't get in a rush and, and that kind of thing. Well, you kind of um, rolled into the investigative side of it. Um, you mentioned you'd done investigations. Why don't you touch on that a little bit? How in the world did they get you pulled out of that GT Mustang and into, <laughs> into a not moving very fast desk for a detective? Um, something I've never done. Um, and they um, actually, the guy that I was working traffic with, uh, the other guy that was in there, um, they, they pulled us both at the same time and put us in investigations. Um, the, the, the best thing I can say is it was not my gig. I didn't like it. I did it for about a year. Um, I, I was just, I, I don't think I was equipped for it. I don't think I had the, the proper training for it. Had never done it before. I didn't, I didn't really know um, at the time the resources that I had available to me and, you know, didn't know they were there. Yeah. And once I even did know they were there, I didn't always understand or didn't realize or, or know how to utilize them. I see. Um, and my biggest thing with investigations and, and then, you know, the other thing too, they, they put, they put my partner, my traffic partner and I in there. Um, we had a bunch of folks in there um, and, couple of the guys were working like robbery, homicide, that kind of thing, and had uh, a female in there that was doing sex crimes and crimes against children, things like that. Um, and they put they put my partner and I in there doing uh, property crimes, okay. which thefts, burglaries, that kind of stuff. And it's just almost like, to me, it was almost like you're fighting a losing battle. Because your officers don't always get prints. Your officers always don't do a real good job working the scene. They're not going to call us out to a burglary because um, they're so common anymore. And um, it just, it, it was just, it wasn't my gig. I just, I didn't enjoy it. I didn't like it. The other thing about it I didn't like is you had a stack of cases on your desk that grew every day. Yeah. And you're trying to work through those. And when I would when I would leave work in the afternoon to go home, I realized that stack is still sitting there. That's still stuff I've got to do. Yeah. I kind of like. I always kind of liked um, the the fact that usually when I left work to go home, my day is done. Yeah. I start the day new, and I'm not leaving stuff undone. And I understand that's the nature of the beast. Yeah, but that part of it, that, that was part of it that I, I just did not, I did not like. Now, I know that you mentioned it earlier, the schooling you had to go to to be a traffic homicide investigator and um, let alone 
as a traffic officer, there are schooling and certifications you have to hold to do that proficiently as well. If they took both of y'all out at the same time, did they have somebody to step into those roles or? Yeah, they had a couple, they had a couple of guys that were pretty adept at it. Um, okay. And I think, I think one of them already had some, some traffic homicide training. Okay. Um, and yeah, luckily, luckily I was only in the in investigations for about a year. Um, somebody that they put in traffic was either leaving or wanted out of traffic. And somebody came back and said, hey, uh, when do you guys want to come back to traffic? Yeah. <laughs> I'll go. How many deaths yeah. you turn over to get out the door? There you go, right? And, uh, and, I, I, and, I, and I got my Mustang back when I went back. Now, there you go. <laughs> I believe that would have happened anyway. But uh, it, was a little, it was a little ragged out, but it was, I got it back. Tell me something that you took away from your time in the detective division that maybe you weren't fully aware of that maybe the public wouldn't be definitely aware of. Sometimes it's tough to get the truth out of people. You know, you, you see these, you see these TV shows and they, they bear down on a suspect and bear down and bear down. You just, just verbally and, and mentally, you know, you, you, you'll see them every now and then grab somebody up and slam against that don't happen in real life. That's not the way it is not the way it works, folks. I mean, right. it, it does not happen that way. That's a, that's a, that's for entertainment purposes only that it doesn't work that way. Not much um, you want to be on the news that night, I guess. Yeah. Especially nowadays. But, um, but it, you know, it's just, it's tough. It's tough dealing with, with suspects and um, you know, you're not, you know good well they did it, but the only the only way you got to to get an arrest or make a case is if they confess because there's nobody else. You don't have a witness. You don't have any physical evidence. You know you're 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 dependent on your skill, investigative skills, and and interrogation skills right. on trying to get this person to admit. Yeah, I did this. So and when a person is looking, doesn't at have much. Very often. So when a person is looking at their case and wondering why is it stalled, um, why, you know, can't they figure out what happened or how come you don't know who did it? It's not all about you may know who did it. It's about being able to prove it and to do it successfully within the law. Uh, Jared, when you were interviewing some of these guys, did you run into that where the suspect the self was just, it was just hard to get any more information out of them for your case. Yeah. Uh, there was, there's plenty of times where you think you got them you think like, oh, I'm gonna go this way and talk to them this way. And they're going to talk to me back. And, uh, it got to the point where I was trying so hard to have like a, a full laid out game plan going into it. And then after a few times, I just started like giving up on that and just said, all right, this is what we're going to try and do. We're going to try and talk about this and we're going to roll the punches. So I basically winged it uh, for a lot of it because you just can't predict what people are going to do or, or talk about or whatever. Some of them are going to try to outsmart you. Some of them are going to try to uh, just give you complete crap just to throw you off the scent. And then <laughs> some people are just going to, some people, you walk right in, they're just blabbing it right away. I'm like, whoa, I haven't even 
started it yet. I haven't even done it. Say all that over again. Yeah, yeah. Like talking to the microphone. <laughs> yeah, I need you to. I need you to slow down real quick. Um, so yeah, I think it, it is definitely difficult. It's it's a difficult thing. Interviewing is an art. It, it takes a lot of a lot of practice, a lot of training, um, and actually, Ronnie, I was going to ask you: um, Do you think that your time in investigations made you a little bit better when you went back out in the field because you were talking about how like sometimes officers don't get good prints and stuff like that but now that you knew that did that make you remember like man i need to make sure i get good prints so and detectives can have it well i you know even even before i went in investigations i always tried if i was working you know something like that where there's likely to be prints i would try to get the best i could already right. um and, you know, would always ask the victim all the questions. You have any idea, you know, who may have done this? You have somebody that said something to you and anything, you know, just and make sure I you know, document that so, that so the detectives have that to go on. Um, yeah, but coming out of coming out of investigations, I, I don't really think in my case, I don't think I really brought a whole lot out of that that helped me down the road. Um, so, and maybe, maybe, maybe it's because after I was in there a few weeks, I just really did not like it. I didn't want to be there. Probably nothing then, more than you weren't doing already. Yeah, sort of. And like I said, you know, the, the, the pile on your desk that never goes away, you just don't feel like you're ever going to finish it. Even if, you know, even back in the traffic days when I had a, when I had a fatal crash, um, it's a big investigation. But you can see light at the end of that tunnel. You're going to finish that thing. Yeah. You know, you're going to get to a point. You're going to present your 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 findings to the state attorney, and then they're going to let you know. All right, this was a this was a, you know, just a crash. There was no criminal intent, or, boom, you need to put somebody in jail. And you um, may have had a stack that tall, but it was just one case. Yeah, they usually they generally weren't that big. It, it was, it was, uh, and they were about, maybe about like this, maybe, uh, uh, you know, one that had a lot of information in it. I feel, um, I, I'm sorry that you had to go through that. Cause I think that you still may not have liked detective division, but I think if, uh, if we could have worked more in those areas together, we could have found a way to make it fun and oh, yeah. um, figure out. So that kind of, here's the thing. When I watch TV now, everybody relies on video evidence and here's the thing that when I think about video evidence, I think about Ronnie kill this one thing right here, they'll be watching and it'll be a terrible picture. It'll be grainy. It'll be all tore up. And <laughs> I'll say, you know, and I've done this one time that I remember and they're like, what, what kind of car is that? And they're all second guessing it. Oh, I don't know. It looks like a station wagon. No, it ain't no station wagon. I said, hang on a minute. I call Ronnie Keel in. And Ronnie Keel study that thing. He already knows what kind of car it is. He's <laughs> trying to figure out if it's going to be an 84 or an 85. But he already knows. We're sitting here 10 minutes while he's studying it. And he could have told me, yeah, it's going to be a Chevy Caprice 84, blah, blah, blah. He can tell a car from a video just by the way the wheel well is shaped. 
And I'm like, man, this dude is valuable to detective division. He'll find anything out when it comes to the car. Dude needs one tail light. He tell you what kind of car it is. <laughs> his only hang up is he'd be worried about getting the year wrong. I'm like, dude, I don't care about the year, dude. You helped us get this car right. We're on it. So they still, they still, they still, to this day, it's been a little while, but um, they'll still text me a picture of a car from a video <laughs> a still hey hey can you tell what this is well yeah uh, i can even even one one gal that's at like wells her husband is at another agency close by and and he'll even send me something every now and then and i'm i hope i hope i help them out sometimes a little bit but hey yeah Contribute, uh, contribute when you can, right? It is absolutely a gift and uh, a fun one at that. It's so. it's just it's just something I have uh, because of my interest in four wheel vehicles that I've had since I was old enough to know what one of the, the only toys I ever had growing up were cars and trucks. That's all I ever had. Yeah, and um, that's and you know you know about the hobby I have now. You've seen it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That, that, that truly is a gift and it, and it saves a lot of people. You know, you watch those shows and once they get nailed into a car, they, they, they got their investigation rolling again. Yeah. Uh, you were talking about some things that the public don't always get to see. Is there anything else that you saw that in the back of your mind, you're thinking, man, can't tell the public this stuff, but boy, this explains a lot. Anything that jumps out of your mind about that? Oh, first thing comes to mind is going to an autopsy. They're never going to see that. No, they can they can watch they can watch Doctor G, you know, on TV all they want to, but they're they're unless you're standing there next to the doctor watching this procedure go on. It's it's uh, and it's it's amazing. It's amazing what they're able to discover, you know, from basically dissecting the human body. And looking at the different organs and all that kind of thing. The first time I ever had to go to one, I was a little squeamish about it. Um, after that first that first shock, let's yeah. go. My wife's a nurse. She wants to go one so bad she can't stand it. And I haven't been able to get her into one yet. <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Jared, how do you think you'd do on something like that? I, I've been to several autopsies and um for the most part um the smell it's always interesting um <laughs> and uh i was lucky i never had to go to a stinker all of mine were pretty fresh and they weren't that bad oh yeah well if you got a guy that decided that he was done living and Nobody found him for a few weeks, and then you go. Yeah. First, you go to the scene, and then it's lovely. And uh, <laughs> yeah. of course, they like cut off the AC for some reason. Like they know yeah. it's gonna stink up in the middle of July and get all hot and stuff. So I don't know what they're thinking. They but, don't want that evidence to run out the window, I guess. Uh, yeah. It. <laughs> man. So yeah, I autopsies are interesting. You know, it's interesting to see the anatomy. Um, the worst autopsy I went to was um, it was a 
traffic accident with fatality. Uh, three people that, um, unfortunately, everything uh, caught on fire. So Ooh. they were burnt and smushed, and it was not good. Um, and I felt horrible for that family, for all those families, because um, it was three service members, and they they were up and coming. They had just graduated, like, a leadership school. So, um, you know, you talk about things that the public doesn't really see or know. You know, everybody, everybody can hear, like, oh, man, yeah, these three military members just passed away in a car accident. And then you got the guys that have to go and see them and then uh, go tell their commander, like, hey, I, I saw them, I know it's them, um, yeah. and I had to verify it was them, and, and then you watch the whole autopsy, and just crazy things happen, so um, yep. yeah. that was, that, it, that it takes a toll on you a little bit, you know. It, I, didn't it, mean to, I didn't mean to sound morbid when I brought it up, you know, but some, some guys like them. Some guys enjoy going to them. I don't enjoy it you know it, when i had to go it was okay you know after that first one right. um i mean i didn't throw up or pass out or anything like that i just it was just kind of mm, you know i wasn't i wasn't sure i was gonna be able to handle this but after the first one you get over that initial shock they're they're not pleasant i mean i mean i didn't mean i want anybody to to, to come away with that thought you know this listen to this because it's it's not it, it is not Right. Um, but like you said a minute ago, it, it's very interesting and it's, um, it's enlightening. I mean, you, you, and you understand, you understand a little bit about, you know, why they do what they do, um, why they do everything they do, because I mean, even though they find something wherever they cut into first, they find something that they're still going to do the rest of it, um, yeah. because there may be something else right. that they're going to find. So um, but it, you know, it, it's, it's interesting and it's enlightening. Um, but it's not entertaining <laughs> and no. it's not, and it's not enjoyable. No. Uh, I, I've never been to one. I never had to go to one. I avoided homicide investigations. Like you avoided burglary investigation, man. I, <laughs> I could do burglary all day before I do that one homicide. Now, I, when I was younger and dumber, I took all kinds of pictures. I went to crime scene. Uh, photography school i learned to do it well but i passed that on to the detectives man because i do not want to see any of that stuff i had to take on call yeah i had to take on call one time at the house fire. Let, let crime scene girls do all that stuff yeah they called me to a not to be morbid again but somebody who had burned up in a house and the fire department's outside, and I showed up. I was just the on-call guy. I didn't. I wasn't really working homicide. And they go, "Well, do you want to go in and see them?" I said, uh, "You said they was in the house." He said, "Yeah." I said, "What I got to see? They they're dead. They're in the house. Take a picture of it. Let's go." Because I just couldn't. I just wasn't. That just wasn't my thing, you know. And um, Fortunately, it was in the county at the time. I was working for the city, so all I did was wait for a county person to show up and do their part. But no, I don't need to see it. I believe you. You're a sworn uh, emergency services person under the same rights that I am, and uh, you know I'll take your statement that you saw them, and there we go. That's yep. all I need. Um, during the course of all those different 
types of positions and things and the ugly to the good, to the funny, to the sad. Um, you see anything or run across anything that scared the crap out of you? Uh, you know, I don't remember. I don't remember ever having anything really scare me too bad. Maybe, maybe I just was lucky and didn't walk around a dark corner one night and there's some guy saying, yeah, I'm sure I got scared a couple of times. I know I was working with a rookie officer one night and that old um, mobile home plant that used to be up there on the north end of town that, that hurricane knocked down. Yeah. Um, they made modular homes in there. I can't think of the name of the place now, but the alarm used to go off all the dang time. Yeah. Working nights. Um, I answered the call with this, this other guy. He, we both, we, we both showed up there. And uh, there's a, a kid walking across the parking lot. So, you know, we stopped him. Hey, hey, dude, there's an alarm going off. You're walking through here. We got to check you out real quick. And uh, <clears throat> he, you know, was cooperative to start with until I put him up against the car. So I just need to pat you down. The first thing my hand hit was a, was a handgun in his waist, man. And the fight was on. And um, that one, that one was a little, but, you know, we had, we had, and he wasn't that big of a kid. He was pretty strong, but he wasn't that big of a kid. And uh, with two of us there, we were able to, I think I finally hooked my leg around his, took him down. And, um, but during the scuffle, the gun came out and hit the ground and slid off somewhere else. We didn't really realize that at the time. Um, but yeah, that was and it turns out it was a, it was a real gun, but didn't have anything in it. I don't think I don't remember, but that was you know. And then I remember, um, I remember one night, the closest I ever came to having to shoot somebody, um, that old bottle club up on twenty seven. Yeah. Um, you know they had the country music and had the rednecks and all what, and they came from counties south of us and blah 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 and. We were, I was with another officer and we were walking to the door to just do a quick little walkthrough. We'd do that every now and then. They had this bouncer in about twice your size and he had this little kid by the collar and the belt. And just as we got to the door, the door flew open and here comes this kid, airborne. He literally threw his butt out of the bottle club. Mm. Kid hit the ground, rolled one time, came back up with about an eight inch buck knife, flipped the oh. blade out. He hadn't seen me and my, my buddy yet. And, of course, when the knife came out, the nine, we were still carrying the nines. The nines came out, and we're, we're seven feet from him, if that. Oh. And uh, we're like, hey, dummy. Yeah. <laughs> and he, you know, looked at us. You need to drop the knife or you're going to die. And I was actually putting, I was actually putting pressure on the trigger. And I asked, I asked Pat later on if he was, and he said, oh, yeah. He said he was fixing to go down. Yeah. Well, he, uh, he, he, he came, he, he got his wits about him and dropped the knife and got on the ground like we were telling him to do, and it all worked out fine. But, yeah, that, that scared me. You know, that's, that's the closest I ever came. I had to gun out many, many, many times on people. Yeah, I know you did too. Um, but that's the closest, that's the closest I ever came. Um, yeah, you know, if he'd, have, if he'd have turned toward us and started at us, we 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 let him up. Well, you but, know, uh, there's a big difference there too. You're you're talking about possibly physically scared, but certainly emotionally, your pucker factor went up. Oh, yeah. 
you know, and, and that counts as, as something yeah. too. I mean, there yep. is yep. numerous incidences where you just don't know what the outcome's going to be on this deal here, you know, and it can be anything. Now I got stupid stuff too, where, you know, I used to answer alarm at a, at a movie house, one of them back when they rented movies in the store. Yep. And uh, I come around the corner, a burglar alarm going off and I stood face to face with whichever one of them guys, Freddie, the 13th or whatever with the chainsaw staring at me. And that freaked me out, you know, because it was dark. And you can't see nothing. I just saw a shadow dude with a chainsaw coming at me. I was like, oh, my goodness. So <laughs> there are always going to be little pucker factor moments. Nope. Uh, but those are, you know, those are part of the deal, too. And, and these days and age, man, where people are so scared that their first thought is to shoot before they assess the situation. Mm-hmm. Or they grab the wrong tool on their belt. Now, I I know what a taser feels like. There's a big difference between yep. what a taser feels like and where my gun, what my gun feels like. Yep. If I had to nail anything down, I got to say that maybe training is not where it needs to be if officers are responding that way and they're either one afraid to assess the situation as if the only op- the only option they have is to start shooting or two they're so scared that they don't know where their equipment is they're not familiar with their belt and there's somebody on trial right now because of that yeah they yeah. grabbed a gun instead of a taser how do you i never understood how you do that unless you were no. just either so scared or so un ill-trained that you can't figure that out right um, so i you know there's a lot goes into that and we could probably spend an hour on that alone at some That's point good. um jared did um man did any of that ever come into play when you were talking to other people during an investigation i mean did they did anybody ever respond that, man, I was just so scared. I didn't know what to do. Um, we, so unlike you guys, uh, being a full on investigator and, um, sitting behind a desk most of the time, we, we didn't have that initial like encounters with people and stuff like that. Um, the only time we ever came in contact with that kind of stuff in that setting is if we were to see it develop right in front of us or we show up on scene and all of a sudden now people are like getting mad or getting in, you know, angry or whatever. And uh, there was only one time where I feel like I was, you know, I, w- I was pretty, I don't, I don't even know if scared is the right word. Or even nervous. I was just very high alert, like yep. ready to pull the gun out. This guy was giving us the wrong, wrong juju, the wrong sit, the vibes, and everything. It was not uh, an ideal situation. And I was with a another agent who uh, I personally knew uh, wasn't quick to to react to things. So. I knew if something was going to happen, it was going to be on me to, to take care of the, the situation. 
And so, um, yeah, I mean, it didn't happen to me or any of my coworkers very much. It happened once, really, the whole time I've been working law enforcement. Yeah. It gut's not going to lie to you. No. Is it, Bart? No, no, it's good. Gut's not going to lie to you. It will not lie to you. Your instinct, your, and you know, scared probably wasn't the right word, but definitely the high alert that Jared mentioned. Yep. Uh, the pucker factor. I mean, everything, everything starts with the butt, you know. It, I probably had, I probably had the pucker factor more often than anything else, just driving and, you know, trying to get somewhere or when I was in traffic, you know, responding to something or turn around on a speeder and chasing them down and, you never know what people are going to do. I've had a, I had a, I can't, I can't remember one specifically, but you know, that, that's, that's something else. You, you got to have your head on a swivel when you're driving a police car. It was even probably had more of those oh crap moments in the Mustang because people didn't recognize it. No, and it was smaller. Yeah. And, and it was faster. Yeah. <laughs> it would, it would get me there a little quicker. Um, yeah, just expand on that a little bit. I mean, that we were talking, we, you brought it up a little while ago, the Mustang. Yeah. Um, so people understand that this Mustang we bought with a grant for a speed, progressive driving enforcement tool. Um, and it was unmarked. So it didn't, it didn't stand out as a police car, um, until I hit the switch and lit it up. And then it was no doubt, but yeah. Yeah, it was uh, it was tricky sometimes. I I managed to not ever put a nick in it. So, <laughs> well, either they survived me, put one in for you. It survived me. Yeah, we're looking at um, man, lots of emotions, lots of uh, stress, lots of action, lots of pucker moments. Um, man, how did you handle all that stuff? What did you do to de-stress? that kind of stuff. You know, it, it never may, maybe and, and not bragging, but maybe I'm just built a little different. I just really never I didn't stress over over stuff much. I mean I could, you know, the the crap would happen and we get it under control. Okay, we're cool now. Everybody everybody's still breathing. Let's go to the next one. I just I didn't have to do anything. Um, I didn't have to go home and, and pour myself a, a, a shot glass of bourbon or drink a beer or two or whatever. Um, I, I really never had any trouble sleeping. Yeah. Um, I, I got, I had, I would say I had more. There's actually probably more administrative stress and i found that out when i got promoted to sergeant and there's there's more there's more stress there sometimes than you get from the public okay so it's a it's a you know it's a different animal yeah did you and could you talk about it at home was uh oh, yeah. was there an outlet for you to do yeah. that yeah yeah did you find I it mean, helpful or was it just like ah, you don't understand no, it was, I would say it, it, it is helpful. Just kind of get it off your, you know, share it. And, you know, um, as long as she would, you know, showed some interest and would, and would listen, then, yeah, 
yeah, it, it was it was a help. Um, and maybe maybe that's why it didn't bother me too much because I did have somebody to talk to. Now, you know, when I first got into law enforcement, I wasn't married. I was single. So, um, but, you know, I could talk to friends, dad, mom, whatever. I told them all kinds of crazy stories back in the day. <laughs> but um, but I kind of, you know, any anything that, that we ever – that I ever got into on the job, I didn't, you know, that would, that was, they would consider scary, dangerous, whatever. Um, I kind of withheld some of that stuff just to not, especially my parents. Yeah. You know, just kind of kept that, kept that to myself, didn't talk to them about it. So it didn't worry them. Um, but um, if you, if I think if you, if you do have somebody that you can, you can share the experience with when something does happen, um, it helps. Yeah, me and Jared talked a little bit about that last time. Uh, we were talking about working through some of the issues of um, it doesn't always have to be the part that scared you that you have to talk through. It doesn't always have to be the um, uh, grossness of something. Mm -hmm. It can be just the ugliness of life. And I think Jared was talking about that on a case he was working that involved um, sex crimes that he had to deal with and the realization that, you know, people as a nature are just rotten people. Some, some can be. Yeah. And Jared had some, some good points about being able to deal with that and how to come to terms with it. Um, I, you want to mention some of those Jared again? Um, yeah. Uh, so just the, and I, I don't, condone any of the well some of the things that i would do in the beginning um you know in the in the beginning of my career i got thrown into a lot of the um sex crimes a lot of the child pornography crimes and uh there's just a, it was it was a lot mentally it took a strain on you um and it wasn't like i was out there you know fighting anybody or anything like that um so it was just having to see the worst of humanity, the worst people doing the worst things and corrupting some of the most innocent people in the world, you know? Mm. And, uh, when, and, and I, you know, I'm not gonna pretend like I was a tough guy about it. You know, I was, I was, uh, you know, I struggled. I, I had my wife. Um, she was very helpful. If I didn't have her, I don't even know. I don't know how it would have went, but, um, you know, I, I had her there to kind of keep me sane and keep me stable. Um, and just so I could not have nightmares about the things that I was seeing, I would try and like take like a quick shot of whiskey or something like that, just to go to sleep or take some sleeping medication just to be able to sleep through the night. So I wasn't like waking up constantly. And then in, the next day I'm there, with one hour sleep and I got to do everything all over again. It just compounds, <laughs> compounds. So, um, eventually I, I, I learned that it wasn't the healthiest thing for me to do that. Um, I made sure to, uh, cut that out and, uh, I bolstered my faith. Uh, you know, I really took my, uh, religion and my relationship with God to the next level. And that helped me out a lot. And it, just sticking close to my family, making sure that they were always there. They were always in the know, like 
even if I came home and I was like, hey, I had a I had a terrible day. I don't want to do anything. Like I want to eat and relax and go to bed. I don't want to do anything. <laughs> and thankfully I had a very supportive wife who, you know, even even when it felt like the family was on the back burner, like they were the ones being put behind because I had to take care of the job. Uh, she was still super supportive of me. So uh, it was That's good. That's important. Yeah. Yeah. I think um on my end, you guys are way more braver than I'll ever be. I always chose the jobs where I could screw off, um, make good cases, um, put a little longevity into it, um, and then I could easily forget it. Now, I ran across some things that, you know, and I have a whole photo album to prove it, um, that when I came home, where I parked the car, that's where all that stuff stayed. And I wouldn't walk in the door with it at all. And um, rarely did I talk about any of that stuff uh, to your mom or to you guys. Every now and then when something funny would happen or when you all got old enough to realize, wait a minute, daddy's bringing home another car. Where'd that come <laughs> from? I'll tell you the story about that. You know, it would be, you know, one day it was a Cadillac, next day it was a Firebird, next day it was a Honda with wheels sticking out past the fenders. I mean... <laughs> Uh, you know, I, I applaud you and everybody. We can get the film off the windshield of, I remember that one. Oh yeah. Just constantly, um, appreciative of the different skill sets that different people have in the job that can do that job. And, um, you know, it just, um, how you deal with it is so important to your sanity as you get older, because you don't want to grow up, retire, and become a whack job to the point that you know all this stuff started uh, messing with you. But you know, on that, you just recently retired. Yep. And uh, we want to thank you for your service. I for sure. I wasn't. I wasn't unhappy, and I wasn't. Uh, I wasn't mad at anybody. It was just time. I was just and ready. That sounds like the right time. So yep. We thank you for your service, for sure. You're welcome. Um, and yours, too. Well, thank you. Um, but being able to go out on your own terms and being able to put in a full boat and, um, and, and roll out seems like the best way to do it. Um, I think I know you well enough to know that you have enough hobbies and enough things to stay busy. I don't have to worry about you uh, going nuts on us or becoming a hermit or anything. So that's good. That's good. Um, I guess going forward, um, were there any regrets during your career that, you know, everybody says, no, nah, I wouldn't change anything. I'll just run it just like it was. Um, but were there any regrets, anything you wish that you probably could have done or um, go back and do anything like that? Do better. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. Um, I think in my, my situation, when, when they started this, this traffic thing, that was, that was my gig. That's what I enjoyed. Um, several opportunities during the time I was in that unit. Um, that openings came up, you know, could have climbed the ladder a little bit, gone out, you know, taking the, the test for sergeant, whatever. And, um, you know, if anything, maybe maybe it was that I, I should have uh, 
should have kicked the traffic thing to the curb and, and gone for that earlier. I mean, I finally did make it. Finally did get the stripes and, and got the gold badge and all that kind of stuff and all the stress that came with that. Because <laughs> yeah. now you're now you're not just responsible for what you do. You're responsible for what five people do. Yeah. And I was I was blessed um, when I did make sergeant. I had a good shift. Had good folks on the shift. Had two guys that were um, that were. Um, I'll say veterans. I mean, they'd been there long enough. They knew what they were doing. Um, had a good canine officer. Um, had another guy that was, you know, kind of getting there. And I had a rookie girl. <laughs> oh, had to, had to, but she, but now she's still there and she's excellent. She turned out great. Um, so, you know, she was, uh, she needed a little bit of, she needed a little bit of guidance here and there. Um, but you know, if that's the only thing that I really, I mean, I, I, I kept myself out of trouble. I never, I'm, I'm proud of, I'm proud of the fact that I did get in, I did get fussed at a time or two. Um, but I never, I never spent any time on the porch in my whole career. So I kept my nose clean most of the time. Um, I don't regret that. Definitely. Um, but I just think maybe <clears throat> going back, uh, you know, those times between say 99 is when the travel unit started. I put in for it and got it right away. Then to maybe 04, 05. Yeah. I, I, I might've could have, I might've have been able to step up and, yeah. and got some rank and, um, but I did get it. So I really don't regret it. Yeah. too much so well, other than that i can't think of anything really i mentioned it earlier and i know jared and i've talked about it before but it seems like training might be a big issue for a lot of new people coming out mm -hmm. and uh would the retired ronnie kill ever consider teaching on a part-time basis maybe in the academy I, or something i mean we gotta we gotta do better I've thought about it. On the road, um, you know? I've thought about it, but um, you know, one thing—the only, the only instructor class I ever actually went to was the um, UI instructor. I had, I did take that. I never took the uh, the instructor techniques class, so I'm not even qualified to teach that because I didn't have the basic thing. Yeah. Um, just never got around to going to the thing. Yeah. Um. And that, I don't know. I, yeah, I get it. So what would <laughs> you say to a brand new rookie who just walked into your office, you're the shift sergeant, what would you say to a brand new rookie, one of the most important things that he could learn from you? Use your head. And not as a bullet stopper. No, yeah. yeah, use your head. Use your head. You're not John Wayne. Um, you know, if if uh, if you get a, if you run up on something that appears to be dangerous, that could be hazardous to you, you get dispatched to something that you know is going to be hazardous to you. Um, don't don't rush in there thinking you're going to solve everything. Um, you may run into a hail of bullets. You need to. Uh, you need to assess things. 
you need to have some backup. That's why we got more. That's why we. That's why we have more than one or two people here all the time. Is you know, count on your backup. Um, if you don't have backup, then you got to do what you got to do. But um, depending on the severity of the situation, if if it's uh, feasible, wait, wait for backup. Yeah. Don't don't be a, don't you know don't be a hero. And the other thing I'll tell them is, uh, you know, as soon as as soon as you can, start taking start taking classes, start taking whatever you can take. You know, we always had at our department we had the three, yeah, um, to get you up to a patrolman two level, um, which is you know a step, and mm-hmm. you know future promotion, um, and it's a little more money, not a whole lot more money, but every little bit helps. Get that stuff out of the way. Um, any any extra training you can get, there's a lot of stuff that they don't teach you in the academy. I've watched guys, you know, stop a, a DUI suspect, get out and do the the, the, the roadside test. Yeah. <laughs> Man, please. <laughs> Sometimes I would just tell them, look, let me show you how to do this. Let me show you how to do this the right way. Yeah. And that one test you started to do a minute ago, we don't do that anymore. That's not accepted anymore, and you don't you don't learn that in the academy. Um, just like DUI stuff, crash investigation stuff, um, general investigative stuff. You know what, what you have to do when you become a detective. They don't teach you that stuff in the academy. That's what all these other yeah. extra classes are put on for for people to take to to expand your your knowledge base um, and. You know, the thing I'll tell them, too, is um, if you have a question about something, there's no such thing as a stupid question. You're brand new. You're just coming in. You don't have any experience in this job. Right. Your FTO is your FTOs are going to teach you a lot of stuff in these four months. Or hopefully they taught you a lot of stuff in those four months that you were in training. Expand on that. Um, learn. Learn everything you can. Don't think you're a know-it-all. You're not, you ain't been here long enough, um, but ask questions. If, yeah. And don't be, don't be embarrassed. Don't be afraid to answer questions. We got guys here, you know, that have been here a long time, that have a, a wide knowledge base, and somebody, whatever question you may have, somebody here is going to know the answer. Yeah. Jared? I'll tell you what, I almost feel guilty that you had to go through what you've been going through with some of those investigations. Other than don't do it, is there anything that you can think of that you would tell a rookie who was about to jump into OSI and uh, start down that road that you've already covered? Oof. I think my advice for <laughs> and remember you can't say don't do it. <laughs> <laughs> no, I encourage people. I say, look, if you think you want to do that, you go for it. Oh my um, God. <laughs> you ask me all the questions now and I'll tell you everything plain and simple. Uh, my, my advice is going to be a little bit different. Um, I'm going to get to that, but some of the things that Ronnie said made me think of a funny story. So not ragging on our military police at all because they're, they're important and they have a very important job to do and they, they do, they do it well. Uh, but uh, for a rookie military police, um, 
I remember we were at the gate. I, I had to respond to the gate one time because they thought, or they, yeah, they thought somebody was under the influence of marijuana and alcohol. And since marijuana was involved, we had to get, we had to get involved. So I show up there and then uh, I say, all right, where are they at? And they're like, oh, he's over there in the parking spot past the gate right there. I was like, okay, how did he get there? Or how, how did his car get there? Did you move it? And he's just like, well, no, I, I had to move it over there. I was like, you suspected him of being under the influence of alcohol and drugs, and you had him move his car. You directed him to move his car. Yeah, man. And I said it slow and like a few times, and he still was just like, yeah. Yep. And bad. I'm like, all bad right, decision. well. Where's your supervisor at? Let me let me just run it past him. Maybe he'll understand. So that was uh that was funny. But my advice for like an investigator or even even like a uh, someone that's in the police academy or, or police force and they're getting ready to go to be a detective or something like that is uh, and we kind of talked about it a little bit. That stack that stack's going to be there. It's yeah. always going to be there. It's not and you might get lucky and get all the way down and complete it and start helping your buddies out. But more than likely you are going to be there and you're going to, you're going to have a lot of work ahead of you. And so, uh, my rule that I had to enforce for myself was leave on time, leave. And if it's to leave and have dinner with your family or leave and, and be home for bedtime or whatever the case was, Whatever it is, leave on time. Don't stay thinking you can get it caught up and get it done because it's just going to keep growing. It's going to keep being there. So, uh, and that stuff's going to take time. So, yeah. for your own mental sanity and your own, you know, your own personal uh, stability, go home, come back the next day, hit it hard, and just keep going. Don't overwork yourself. Don't overbook yourself. Yeah. That's that's good information. I mean, you know, you asked me earlier about when I was in investigations. That was you know something Jared just said. Um, leave on time, whatever. Well, you're you're leaving basically. You're leaving the office. You're leaving a desk. Yeah. And I think that was the other thing when we were talking about my experience in investigations. I missed the field. Yeah. Every chance I got, I would go get in that car, go somewhere. Right. Um, get, get away, get away from that, that desk. That, that's, I'm, I was never made for that. I like to be in the field outside doing my thing, you know, whatever. Uh, that, that's the other thing I didn't like about it. I didn't think about that earlier. I just dragging up something from Pat, you know, before in the conversation, but yeah. that's, that was the other thing I didn't like about it was the, the desk work. I hated that. Mm. Yeah. You know, uh, Again, I applaud you guys. You guys are braver and smarter. I, I did I don't know about that. I did some time on the porch without pay, and uh, I did get in trouble some. And usually, if I was riding a desk, it was because they took my gun away and said, "Hey, this is your job for the next week," or uh, "Here, sign this paper, admitting your guilt," you know, or so forth. So, uh, yeah, yeah I, a lot of mine was political. And um, sometimes things happen. And, you know, one thing that 
I may be in trouble and I may um, do things unorthodox way, but I never made a bad case. I never fabricated any evidence and I'm not a rat. And if it meant sitting on the porch instead of ratting somebody out, you know, I've sat on the porch before. So, um, but I applaud, you know, you, you guys for not getting trouble. It's not worth it. Uh, don't do it. Try not to find yourself in that situation. Mm -hmm. But um, certainly I would tell, I would tell a rookie to um, keep your integrity about you. Yep. Integrity is the only thing you got left when it comes down to it. And uh, your word, your integrity, if, if you make a mistake or you goof something up or a case doesn't go the way you want it to, keep your integrity about you. That's the only thing that you have when it comes down to it. Yep. That's the truth. Ronnie, I can't tell you how much I enjoyed having you here. We may bring you back to expound on a couple things. Um, but honestly, um, I have nothing but the greatest, uh, fondest respect and uh, memories of our time working together. I know that I have utilized your traffic enforcement skills on certain suspects that I needed uh, to get a quick identity on and uh, nothing unlawful. Everything was always by the book. I'm <laughs> telling you now, if you live in Florida, you're going to have a tag light out, at least one of the two. You're going to have a burned out headlight, burned out turn signal, a burned out marker light, Something's not going to be right on a car if you drive in Florida. That's true. And there is always a lawful way to affect the job. And I will say this, that um, between the three of us, I know for a fact that the community was served in a lawful and loyal and uh, integrity every case that we've ever done. And um, I'm grateful for the friendships that I have, but especially you, you're one of my you're probably the closest friend I had in law enforcement between you and Bush, the two closest friends that I have on the planet, but um, certainly glad to have you here. Certainly. Thank you for your service. Thank you for backing me up um, and um, giving me chances that we may not know about that <laughs> me to go home with, uh, to see my kids and to have one with us today. In turn, I'm grateful too. <laughs> yeah. So thank you. We wish you the best in retirement. And uh, we won't be strangers. So far, so good. I'm enjoying myself. I would be, too. I would yep. be, too. I keep telling Misty, it's going to be my time before long. So I don't know. But uh, certainly glad you made it on the show. Hope that uh, the information we brought out today helped somebody out or helped you figure some things out. And uh, be sure and leave a comment where you can. And um Having questions or other comments, be sure and post those as well. And we'll see you guys on the next episode. Well, there you go. Another great case in the books. Be sure and tune in next week when we unpack a new one. And I hope you have a good week. Thank you for joining us today. We hope you enjoyed the episode. If you haven't already, go subscribe to our show. And if you liked it, maybe go get a buddy or two to go subscribe to it as well. Give us a like, a comment, a rating, whatever it is that you're watching this on. And make sure to give us some feedback because we want to make sure that we're doing the absolute best we can for our audience. Thank you for watching. We'll see you next time on Criminal Motives Behind the Crime Scene Tape.